0: You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy.
1: Well, hey, Grace family, Pastor Mike here. Now, you might be wondering where I am this morning. Well, truth be told, I'm on my way to Ohio for a very special law enforcement chaplaincy training uh, through the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Uh, This is a much-needed training for myself that I pray will go a long way in helping me uh, be the best chaplain that I could be for the Troop Police Department. And so while I'm on the road, I certainly covet your prayers for safe travels and a productive experience. Now, I want to tell you, I am genuinely bummed to not be with you, uh, particularly on this morning, because this morning is a very special morning. You see, church, over the last year, there has been a group of people working tirelessly on the front lines with little to no thanks or recognition. In many ways, their livelihood has been upended, their jobs have been suspended, they've experienced incredible stress and loss, they've sacrificed and continue to sacrifice time with their families and friends and loved ones. Many are tired, yet cannot find a break. Many are discouraged, yet struggle to find respite. Many are lonely and feel neglected. Truth be told, we've been so self-absorbed with our own problems this past year, that we failed to remember these incredible workers the way that we should. These workers, though exhausted and downtrodden and feeling forgotten, they continue to endure without complaint, setting a great example for all of us. With God's strength, they continue to remain faithful to the tasks set before them, even in the midst of being overlooked or disregarded by the ones who should be holding them up the most. They continue to press on, keeping their eye on the prize. Church, these frontline workers are long overdue for our complete and undivided attention. These frontline workers are long overdue uh, to receive the recognition and honor that they would not want, but most certainly deserve. These frontline workers are long overdue for our encouragement, support, and prayers. Now, just to be clear, everything I said could and should be applied to our first responders who serve and continue to serve uh, you and I so selflessly during this pandemic. But these are not the frontline workers that I'm referring to this morning. The frontline workers that I'm referring to are the missionaries who we as a church body support. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 12:10. he said, "'Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor.'" Well, this morning, it's our intention to show the long-overdue affection and honor toward our missionaries. But that's not all. You see, today we're going to hear personal testimony and updates from from the field from one of our own missionaries, Brian Beaker, along with his wife, Lisa. We're also going to hear from Steve Noonmaker, who serves as the head of our missions committee. He's going to share some of the stories that we're hearing from some of our missionaries that are currently serving across seas. And finally, we're going to show a video update from Lucho Baji, who serves as a missionary in Lima, Peru. You know, I've had the joy of serving side-by-side side with Lucho on a mission trip uh, in, in Peru several years back. And likewise, you might remember that Lucho presented his ministry to our church family back in 2019. You know, church, truth be told, it's been a long time since we've taken on a new missionary. But the elders and missions committee unanimously agree that we should partner with lucho and his family for the advancement of the gospel in south america they're a great family and we hope you agree in fact sometime in the near future we'd like to schedule a special church vote to bring on lucho as our newest missionary now before inviting brian and lisa to the platform i'm sure you've noticed this sheet which is sitting in your pew you see this sheet contains a list of all of the missionaries whom we currently support And here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you to take this sheet home and post it somewhere where you're going to be reminded to pray for and encourage our frontline workers. If you need extra copies of this sheet, they're going to be available at the resource table in the back of the auditorium. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 3, excuse me, Philippians 1, 3 through 5. He said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Church, just as Paul was encouraged by his partnership with the church in Philippi, it's our desire that our missionaries find encouragement through the partnership they have with us. And so, with that being said, at this time, I'd like to invite Brian and Lisa to come share a little bit of their story and how God is working.
2: Good morning, everyone. We're excited to be here this morning. We're excited to be able to share a little bit about what God is doing and has done in our lives. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I'm Brian Beegert. This is my wife, Lisa. We have three children sitting in the back, Elena, Joseph, and James, and we have been missionaries of Grace Bible Church for going on 14 years now. Um, When Pastor Mike asked me to consider coming up here and sharing this morning, my first response was, absolutely not. It's not happening. I'm never going to do it. And really looking back at my past, that shouldn't surprise me, because I have a history of telling God no. So to help you better understand where I'm coming from, I'm gonna tell a little bit of my testimony of what God has done in my life. So at the age of sixteen, I was working at Subway, and there was a co-worker of mine who was a born-again believer, and there was just something different about him. It really impacted me, and God used him to bring about change in my life. And at at the age of sixteen, I accepted Christ as my savior. And God totally changed the direction of my life. Fast forward two years, and I was asked by that same friend, co-worker, to go to Bible school with him. And my response was, absolutely not. It's not happening. I'm not going. I had a hundred excuses, and little by little, God took those excuses away. And so I decided to make it hard on God. I waited until after the application was due. I made myself as bad as I possibly could sound on the application, and I submitted it. And to my frustration, two weeks later, I had an acceptance letter in the mail. And a month after that, I was on my way to New Tribes Bible Institute in Wisconsin. Thankfully, I went because that is where I met Lisa, and we were married just two years later. Both of us, when we graduated, really felt God was calling us to full-time ministry. But once again... I, I wasn't going to have it, and I convinced Lisa that we should move out, get a full-time job, save some money, and so we moved back to South Dakota, where I was born and raised. And we picked up where I left off. I got a full-time maintenance job. Before long, we bought a house, uh, and I remember sitting on the couch next to Lisa, and we talked about, man, we really have absolutely everything that we could ever want. We were, we just had everything, and the same time, we both felt so empty. We knew we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing. A few weeks later, I remember coming home from work, and Lisa's dad, who had recently been in Peru, uh, put our names in for a position, a ministry position in Peru. And I, I was so frustrated. I was mad. I remember talking with Lisa. I was just so upset that he would even consider it. And I told her, I'm like, there's absolutely no way I'm doing it. There's no way that God can make me do that. But she convinced me we at least needed to pray about it before just making a decision. And so I did. And God laid on our hearts that it was for us to go. But once again, I told God, I'm like, you're going to have to prove this to me. You're going to have to tell me that this is really what you have for me. And so I waited until two months before we had to be at candidate orientation to be able to go. And I listed our house on the market. We owned it for less than a year. The market was awful at the time. I knew that God was going to have a tough time selling that home. <laughs> and I i was getting excited because a month went by and we had maybe one, two families look at the house and there was no interest and I was getting excited. And then once again, to my frustration, the house sold for more than our asking price. We were able to pay off all our debt and God continued to provide in some pretty amazing ways to get us onto the field. He actually provided over the next four months, a quarter almost to the penny of what we needed for each month.
0: So we became missionaries with Bible-centered ministries international, or BCM, and we went to Peru. We lived outside of Lima for the next four years. Uh, BCM Peru owns a property, and it was a Bible institute, so Brian became the maintenance director there. They also owned property in the jungle city of Iquitos, and so we would travel back and forth between the two properties. We were the only Americans there. All of our co-workers, including the Bajis that you're going to hear from, were Peruvian. But they wanted their children to have English Christian education. So I basically became a one-room schoolhouse teacher. I had a variety of kids with different ages, different grade levels, different English language abilities. And I taught them English and school simultaneously. Um, our older two kids were born in Peru. And then long about late 2011, 2012, Brian had developed a maintenance team to take his place, which was the point, that was his goal. And um, we just felt God pulling us onto a new mission field. So through kind of a crazy turn of events that we don't have time for this morning, he led us to Missionary Retreat Fellowship in Jefferson Township, and we were there for the next seven years, where he was again the, the maintenance director. And then when we got back was when I was asked to take over the children's ministry here at Grace, and then we continued our work with BCM as well.
2: So up till this point, our whole time in ministry, God had really laid children's ministry on our hearts. But along about our sixth year at Missionary Retreat, I was really personally feeling called to do more with children's ministry. But once again, I had told God, no, I wasn't doing it. I didn't have time for it. And um, little by little, I started having some back problems, which actually made the maintenance work that I had to do up until that point almost impossible for me to actually do. And so we decided at the beginning of 2020, we transitioned out of missionary retreat, we transitioned out onto a new family, and we moved down to Oliphant, just down the street here so we could be closer to the church, do more with children's ministry, and I also went full-time with BCM International once again. So our work now puts us in contact with missionaries around the world, and over this last year where we all were frustrated with the lockdowns and the sicknesses going on, everything, God has been doing some pretty amazing things around the world, and so we thought it would be kind of cool to share some of those testimonies this morning that we've been able to have the joy of knowing. So to start it off, in Brazil, the country, like most countries, went into full lockdown, but one thing that they did that was different was they told people that lived in the different zones that they had to stay in their zone. They weren't allowed to leave. Now, this was tough on absolutely everybody, but it was extremely difficult on the poor districts. And then in a country where BCM missionaries typically reach 1,000 kids per week through Bible clubs, they had to revamp absolutely everything that they did. But through some quick thinking and, and some wisdom that God gave them, they actually took the different Bible club leaders that were in the different zones, and they started going door-to-door to the different kids' homes. And their ministry grew by leaps and bounds because... It ended up being not just the kids that were going through the Bible Club. In a lot of cases, the whole family was partaking.
0: If you've been a part of the kids' ministry for any length of time, then you remember we had annual kids' ministry training days pre-COVID. For many of those, I pulled material from BCM's course, In Step with the Master Teacher, which is a children's ministry training program. It's used uh, around the globe, like in 30-plus languages. And one one place where it's really heavily used is Africa, They will hold um, conferences multiple times a year for people from across the continent. They always have big conferences, and the big one they had planned for 2020 was canceled. So um, instead of just leaving it at that, our ISMT director from South Africa, Pat Govender, decided to get really brave. She figured out Zoom, and she invited people from across the continent to join in for, for an ISMT course. She didn't think anybody would be willing to do it. And ultimately, she had more participants through Zoom than she would have in person because they weren't constrained by finances or travel. And so they reached more countries within the continent than they would have if they'd held it in person. Then this course is meant to be taken and then used at home. So you learn it, and then you take it home, and you teach it to your people. And so they've actually expanded the reach of this children's ministry program than they would have previously. So she's still holding ISMT courses via Zoom because it's so effective Then in Ireland, which is another country that's been heavily locked down, and they still aren't open. Um, One of the main uh, ministries we have in Ireland is after school Bible clubs, which of course were shut down. So one of our missionaries decided she would just put everything in her car. So she took all of her visuals, her games, her prizes, and she went door to door. And she would go to all the kids that were in her after-school Bible club, and she would stand outside her car, and they would stand on their front step, and she would teach them their Bible club every week. So they were able to keep going without missing a beat in Ireland.
2: Another country that went into full lockdown was the country of Peru. And our co-workers there, our good friends, uh, had to totally revamp what they did because their Bible clubs and Bible camps were shut down overnight. And interestingly enough, the director's wife had, before she became a missionary, gone through training to do animation and commercials. And so she quickly came up with a program to do animated Bible clubs. And the amazing thing is, it got picked up by the state and was aired on state television across Peru. And so they reached thousands more than they would have ever reached before that. And even now, they've come up with an animated Bible club program that they're doing interactively so the kids can participate at home. So, what, what? we hear these stories, they're exciting, they, but what, what should it mean to us? I, I was thinking through what Pastor Mike had shared earlier from Philippians when Paul was talking to the church of Philippi. He, he described this partnership, and as I was reading through Philippians to kind of better understand what this partnership was like, it, it came to me that it was more than just finances. They weren't just sending a check, but the story came to mind in Exodus 17. And when, when we pick up this chapter, they were at, the Israelites are in the wilderness. God had just provided water. And then in verse 8, we, we start here. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow we'll stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him. He sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. So as I read this, I, I, I get the idea of this perfect partnership that they had. You have Mo- Moses that had to go up to this hillside and he had to hold up his staff. But he got tired and so he had other people come around him and help him hold up his staff. But that wasn't enough. Joshua had to be on the front lines and the warriors there had to actually be fighting the battle. It took a whole team. And as I think about Paul in the church of Philippi, I, this is the kind of partnership I think. The church had to hold him up. He had to encourage them. It was, it was twofold. And think of if... if Paul would have wrote this letter to the Church of Philippi, but the church, when they received it, never actually picked up the letter and read it. They would have missed out on that encouragement, the exhortation. And in in a similar way, when we don't pay attention to what God is doing around the world, we're missing out on those same kind of blessings and being able to be encouraged and challenged.
0: So we came up with some real practical things that you could possibly do for our missionaries. You have the, the list in your pew. The first thing I would encourage you to do is kind of go through that and see if there is someone that just resonates with you. Maybe their family demographic is similar to yours, or they have a ministry that you are already passionate about or you would like more information about. You can contact them. You can get a hold of the church office, and we can get you their contact information, and ask to be added to their newsletter list. Most of them are sent out via email. It's super easy to add people to our contact list, so just be added and start reading their newsletters. But then go a little bit farther And when you get a newsletter, reply to it and and interact with them. Uh, We love it when people actually reply to our newsletters because it makes it feel like we're not writing to a faceless audience, but people are actually talking with us and we know that they're reading it. Um, You can connect with them on social media missionaries some most of them are very strategic with how they use social media anymore because we can post pictures and video and up-to-date prayer requests and so you can get a real good feel of what's happening on the field by just following them on social media you could write them a paper letter which sounds really antiquated but i can tell you what when you're on the field and you get a handwritten letter it's like gold we still have letters that people wrote to us when we were in peru Because it means that someone took the time to sit down and write to you and then they had to go to the post office and buy a random stamp and send it, (laughs) you they pay for it and you know there was an investment of time. Um, I'm not talking about a giant care package that can actually be expensive on both ends. It can be expensive to receive a package. And so I'm just talking about just a letter, just something that showed that you were thinking of them that you care for them. And then, of course, commit to praying for them. We hear all the time, well, all I can do is pray as if it's a bad thing. But that is really what connects you with people. It connects you to their ministry. When they post an answer to prayer, you can know for a fact that you had a role in that. And that makes it feel like it's not just their ministry, it's yours as well. And it does create that partnership that we're talking about.
2: So in just a few minutes, we're going to show the video from the Baiji's to for them to be able to kind of explain how God has transitioned their ministry over this last year. But first, I would like to invite Steve Nunemaker up to be able to share. Good
3: morning. I just want to highlight a couple of our missionary families for you this morning. Um, we have a lot. I, I, can only, I only have time to, to do two. Um, but before I do, I want you to think about one word and what this one word means. I want you to think about the word incarnation. Incarnation means becoming flesh, becoming human. We usually think about, about, about incarnation around Christmas time. And you, you might be saying, hey, it's almost Easter. You know, Don't talk to me about Christmas. Christmas was four months ago. Right? But the um, Easter would not have happened if it wasn't for the incarnation. Um, Jesus had to become human he had to live as a human. He suffered as a human. He died as a human. And when he rose again, he rose again as a human. Um, you can sum up the meaning of the word incarnation in John chapter 1, verse 14, which is, um, most of us almost know by heart. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Well, what is... What does incarnation have to do with missionaries? Well, in this high-tech world of Zoom calls, uh, video chats, where we text each other, we do everything remotely, the idea of sending missionaries is kind of old-fashioned. It kind of is, it's so low-tech. Here are people who choose not to do things remotely. They choose to relocate themselves and go and live among the people that they serve. John and Nancy DeValve uh, will be coming home in uh, actually next week, and so you'll have the opportunity to meet them. They've been serving uh, in the country of Niger for well over 30 years. Um, The majority of that time they've been serving as uh, church planters. For those of you who don't know the jargon, uh, church planters just means by God's help you You establish a church in an area that has no churches, right? It's a very uh, evangelistic um, uh, ministry. They spent 16 years in the town of Tara uh, in Niger, planting a church among the Songhai people. Uh, It was extremely difficult, thankless, and often very discouraging work. Um, For example, there were no Bible teaching materials in the Songhai language. So John and Nancy had to translate existing materials into Songhai, which meant they had to learn Songhai on top of the other languages that they had to learn. Um, one of the things that, that you may not realize, but especially uh, I, I can't speak for other countries because I grew up in Africa, but in, in Niger uh, the this, this state language is French. Right? But there are up to 8 to 12 different tribal languages as well. And so um, you, you find yourself having to learn multiple languages just just to serve. So they they worked at it. They, They learned Songhai. They lived among the Songhai. They raised their kids among the Songhai. They learned their language. They studied their culture, all so that they could have the opportunity to share the love of Christ with the Songhai people. This is what I mean about incarnation. John and Nancy brought their humanity, and they went and lived among the people that they served. After 16 years in Terra, God moved John and Nancy to a new phase of ministry in the capital city of Niamey. For the past uh, decade or so, they've been serving in the role, in a different role, instead of church planning, they're in the role of strengthening and equipping um, pastors and ministry leaders, God's people. Uh, John has been teaching in a Bible school and discipling uh, uh, and training pastors and, and leaders. Nancy has been serving in the mission office in the role of personnel and communications. Now... When you, when you hear that, you know, you think personnel and communications, you, you think, this is more than a desk job. For, for the missionaries on the ground there, Nancy was the lifeline. You know, missionaries, um, this was about missionary care. Um, <clears throat> when COVID hit the country of Niger, Nancy was the primary communications person between the missionaries on the ground and the headquarters in, 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 the, in the various countries. Once again, you see that John and Nancy uh, were living, dwelling among the people they were serving. For John and Nancy, 2020 was an exhausting year. They had to deal with COVID like the rest of us. Uh, In fact, they were supposed to come to the States last year for a much-needed break, but because of travel restrictions, they they had to remain where they were. Um, This past December, uh, they both came down with COVID themselves, uh, but besides COVID, they also had to deal with other issues. Uh, for those who've been, who follow either on Facebook or, or they get their, their prayer letters, uh, in August there was a flood. Uh, the, the, there's one river in Niger. Niger is a desert country. And there's one river, and it's called the Niger River, and it flooded in the capital city. And the, where the Bible school is, or John teaches, the Bible school is on low-lying low, low lying ground next uh, near the river. So uh, the river was flooding, uh, coming up, and it was threatening to destroy the, the, the campus of the, of the Bible School, which it actually did. So they had to scramble and get in there, get all the books out, all the computer equipment out um, in order to save this. In some places the, uh, the water was six feet deep. Um, as a result the Bible School had to find a new place to meet and new places for the students to live. These are students who live on campus uh, and, and they bring their families with them so all of those people had to be re- relocated. <clears throat> Needless to say, John and Nancy are are tired. Um, They're finally going to be able to return to the States later this month, exhausted but grateful. Grateful for all that they have seen God do for them and through them over the past 34 years of incarnational ministry. The other family I would like to talk to you about today is the Rileys. Mike and Daniela Riley and their two kids live in Chiang Mai, Thailand. They've been there for nearly 10 years, but they've been our missionaries for longer than that. How God led them to Thailand um, is a long story that, unfortunately, we don't have time for this, this morning. But, but uh, when you get the chance to meet uh, uh, Mike and Daniela, ask them. Uh, it's a great story. Uh, Daniela works in, a, in an equipping ministry. Uh, she shows the love of Jesus by teaching poor farmers um, techniques for getting more, uh, more out of their crops. You're like, what's the big deal with that? Well, these farmers are people who farm to live. Their, their, their family's survival depends on their crops. So w- it, that being the case, every little thing that Daniela can teach them uh, can make a huge difference. Uh, and some of these farmers are also pastors. And so it, the, the time that they're spending, not in the, in the field, they could be spending Uh, shepherding their flocks. COVID has had a big impact on on Daniela's ministry because for the time being she can't teach face-to-face like she would want to, but that has not held her back. She's been working hard, uh, turning her lessons into videos uh, that can be sent out to the villages throughout the countryside and into neighboring countries. Mike, God has given Mike a heart for Muslims uh, like uh, you would not believe. You talk to Mike for any length of time, and you will know the man loves uh, the Muslim people. He wants to see them know Jesus. He has a passion to share the love of Jesus with Muslims wherever in the world God has put him. For the past few years, Mike has been traveling to the Middle East, to some of the scariest places in the world, uh, war-torn places, places I can't name, but places you've heard of in the news. He doesn't do this because he's an adrenaline junkie or because he wants to be a hero. He does this because he and Daniela are incarnational. They are convinced that God's people need to be physically present among the poor, lost, and hurting people of the world in order to show them what real love looks like. Mike has had actual Muslim clerics, Muslim leaders, tell him that they know that he, that he does what he does because he's a Christian. That's quite a testimony. They know that his love is uniquely Christian. Once again, COVID has temporarily prevented Mike from being physically present in the Middle East, but it has not slowed down the ministry. Uh, Mike keeps in close contact with his teammates in the Middle East, and they've been sharing exciting stories of what God is doing there. Um, one, young, one young woman uh, Christian girl has had the opportunity to go into these villages of this oppressed people group, this, this minority people group that nobody else likes, and she goes into the villages um, with a with a training program for for uh, a health training program for women, and that gives her the opportunity the door to share the love of Christ with the women there in that village. Another exciting story has to do with something called a hospitainer. Now, if you if you guys been uh, following Mike at all. You might have already heard this word. But a hospitainer is a shipping container um, just like we see on the back of a, of a semi-truck um, that has been turned into a mobile hospital. Uh, and and uh, Mike's teammates in the Middle East have had the opportunity to drive this mobile hospital onto, into refugee camps and even into prison camps uh, to offer medical assistance. Now, get this. All right, it's currently or it's going to be in this prison camp And and they are ministering to the children of people who were former terrorists. I mean, these are uh, are believers. These are Christian uh, doctors and nurses having access to people like that. This is amazing. So uh, God's work is not hampered by COVID in any way. But they're not only ministering remotely. uh, He and Daniela are very much present among the people in Thailand, Uh, They lead Bible studies, and they're conducting leadership training and development. Mike and Daniela are incarnational. They are acting as the hands and feet of Jesus, reaching out to oppressed people. These are just two of our missionary families. If we had the time, we would love to share more stories of our our other missionaries. Amazing things that God is doing in other countries and in other parts of the U.S. and right here in northeastern P.A. Here in Northeast PA, our missionaries are serving in children's ministries, college ministry, women's ministries, equipping ministries, and they are all incarnational. They all bring their humanity, and all that that means, and they dwell among the people they serve. Incarnational means being present among the people God wants to reach. These people could be on the other side of the world, or they could be one house down from you, or they could be in your house. Jesus told the disciples that it was better for us that he return to the Father. So he has given us the privilege of being his hands, his feet, his tone of voice, his arms to hold. As I thought about the word incarnation in preparation for today, I thought about what that might mean for me. How can I be present among the lost people in my life? It's a hard question to consider, but I think uh, we all need to pray about what that might mean for us. Now we're going to uh, watch the Bajis video. Thank you.
4: Hello, my name is Jeremy, and we're the Baji family. Hi, I'm Janelle, and this is our parents, Lucho and Elsa. Somos misioneros y directores del Camino de la Vida en Perú. Y ahora vamos a contarles un poquito del ministerio. We are missionaries and directors of Spanish World Ministries here in Peru. And right now we want to share with you a little bit about our ministry. El Ministerio Camino de la Vida tiene 70 años haciendo lo que el Señor Jesucristo mandó a sus discípulos, predicar el Evangelio y personas. Spanish World Ministries has over 70 years doing what the Lord has commanded us and his disciples, which is preach the gospel and disciple people. Dios nos ha encomendado como ministerio llevar el mensaje de salvación entre las personas de habla hispana en el mundo. The Lord has given us this ministry which is staking the gospel of salvation between the people of the Spanish speaking community. Nos esforzamos por llevar a cabo nuestra misión y cumplir los objetivos trazados. We work very hard to continue this ministry and achieve our goals. El Señor nos ha abierto varias puertas para llevar a miles de personas con el evangelio todos los días. The Lord has opened to us so many doors so that we can share this gospel to different people every day. A través de las producciones de programas radiales, los apps y producción de audio en el idioma de quechua y guaraní. All this is done through the different ministries that we have, which is the different radio stations, the programs that we have for them, the different apps for the mobile, for the phone, and through different audio productions to two different languages, which is Quechua and Guaraní. De esta manera, ayudamos a las iglesias locales en el mundo hispano. This way, we're helping the local churches of the Spanish-speaking community. A llevar a cabo el ministerio de comunicar el evangelio de Cristo y edificar a los que creen en él. And also, so that they can help other people to edify them and also share the gospel with them. Todo esto disponible de forma gratuita para las iglesias locales, estaciones de radio e individuos. All of this is free for the different radio stations for the different churches, the local churches that they wanted and also individuals. Como dijo mi esposa, actualmente somos los directores en el Perú y estamos trabajando con más de 272 estaciones radiales. Like my wife said, well, my mom, we are currently the directors here in Peru and we're working with more than 272 radio stations. Compartiendo los devocionales a más de 2500 personas diariamente. Sharing this devotion to more than 2500 people every day. Por ello pedimos sus oraciones por nosotros, porque todos estamos involucrados en esta gran responsabilidad de la predicación del evangelio. That's why we ask for you for your prayers because we're all involved as a family with this ministry of sharing the gospel through the different radio stations. Por favor, sigan orando por nosotros, por nuestra familia y también por el Please keep praying for us, for our family and also for the ministry. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.